I love to see something new in the garden and bring it in and see what I can do with it. And of course, there is the whole matter of composition and arrangement. And um, I like to not think about that too much. This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, the upcoming printed photography magazine. Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olsen, with another fascinating conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today I have the pleasure of talking with Robert Schultz. Robert is the author of six books. He's got three collections of poetry, a novel, a work of nonfiction, and an art book. He's received a National Endowment for the Arts Literature Award, uh, the Virginia Quarterly's um, Emily Clark Balk Prize for Poetry, Cornell University's Corson Bishop Poetry Prize, and is, to my way of thinking, doing some of the most interesting work with images around these days. Robert is doing cameraless photography, making chlorophyll prints, doing scanography, and making some exquisite artist books. So often, when we talk about photography, we talk about what happens before you press the shutter release. We talk about light. We talk about composition. Robert's world is all after the shutter release or without a camera whatsoever, and it's work that I find tremendously fascinating. Robert, good afternoon. How are you doing out there? Hi, Scott. Very good. Thanks very much. It's really been interesting to look at your work. And I'm going to let you tell the story here, even even though you and I've had a chance to uh, correspond about this a little bit. You are doing chlorophyll prints based on the poetry of Walt Whitman and the Civil War. Tell me about that project. Tell me how it got started. um, And tell me how in the world you make a chlorophyll print. (laughs) Well, It all started with a trip to a museum here in Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, What used to be the Art Museum of Western Virginia is now the Taubman Museum. And I went to see an exhibition of photography, and there were quite a number of chlorophyll prints by Ben Don. I had never heard of Ben Don. I didn't know what a chlorophyll print was, but here were appropriated images from the Vietnam War and also some portraits that the Khmer Rouge took of their victims as they processed them into their torture prison. And these unfortunate people were destined to go to the killing fields. All of these images, these portraits and these photographs were embedded in the flesh of leaves several of them really big tropical leaves, and it just knocked my socks off. I went back two, three times. I pulled up a chair. I started writing and felt that I somehow had to respond. Um, Eventually, I um, contacted Bin Dan. I wanted to ask him questions about his process. his subject matter. He was very gracious, and we uh, struck up a, a, a correspondence. I wound up writing a suite of poems that responded to individual chlorophyll prints of his, and that became our first book together in what has 
become now a 10-year collaboration. Um, That book was called Ancestral Altars. It was done by the wonderful Catherine McNamara, her Artist's Proof Editions, and she did it as an interactive iBook with um, my voice doing the poems and the ability to enlarge and navigate the images. Um, she did it as an Apple iBook. One thing led to another, and eventually uh, Holland's University across town invited Ben Don to come for a residency for a semester, and we finally did meet face-to-face and started talking. I told him that I had to think about Walt Whitman when I see portraits in leaves and gave him a copy of the collected poems with some poems marked that he had to read. Um, The first thing he asked me was, was Walt Whitman a Buddhist? Because he saw (laughs) such um, a rapport between some of the ideas and and uh, the religious context that, that Ben was in. So we, we started to do drives. He wanted to see the Virginia landscape. He wanted to learn about the, the battlefields. And we were reading Walt Whitman's war poetry and his, his memoranda during the war. And we we became fast friends and collaborators. Um, that's just the beginning of the answer, Scott. Do you do you want to get a word in edgewise? Well, tell me. I mean, for for the people that have not seen them yet, describe what a chlorophyll print is. I mean, it's it's not just you know a picture you know taped onto a leaf. Well, what I saw when I walked into this gallery were big framed leaves against a deep black background because it is the actual leaf. It's not a picture of a leaf. It is the leaf. And it has been exposed to the sun with um, a transparency on top of it, um, glass underneath, glass above. And it's a kind of photo print where the transparency is relatively clear, the the leaf gets bleached, uh, where it is protected by the dark places, the the color remains, the deep green of the leaf. And when you take it apart, it is the photograph embedded in the flesh of the leaf and the image is in the chlorophyll itself. This leaf then has to be pressed and dried flat. And the way Ben finishes his and the way I finish mine now is by uh, casting them in resin against uh, a plexiglass sheet, usually black, sometimes white. And um, it takes several pores, one underneath the leaf, one on top, and then filling it up. So what you see is a deep black background, an actual leaf that seems to hover in its resin casting. And it is um, quite striking, I think. It, it is quite striking. and uh, But you can't do this with just any transparency and any leaf, can you? 
Well, I've experimented with a lot of leaves, and they know they don't all work. Um, because I'm working with Whitman subjects, I was kind of heartbroken when I discovered that lilac leaves just turn brown. Um, but the hosta leaf turns out to react almost like photopaper. It's marvelous the kind of textural detail you can get um, in Walt Whitman's jacket, for instance, in, in the, the fabric. So hosta leaves, um, nasturtium leaves, elephant ear, the uh, hydrangea leaf gives you a really nice sepia tone effect, wild violets, and these all change um, at different rates. Um, and of course, the whole process is subject to temperature and sunshine. Um, I remember I remember you telling us that you were developing some of these, if developing is the right word, processing some of these in the back window of your car. Um, what, do you, what do you need for time and temperature on these things? Well, if you are working with a nasturtium leaf or a violet, it might finish in uh, two or three hours in an afternoon in the midsummer at Virginia heat. Um, if... I'm working with a hosta under those same conditions. It might take a, a day and a half. Um, some leaves, if you try to do a tree leaf, it's very difficult. doesn't take a great image, but uh, I've worked with some so-called witness trees from Civil War battlefields, and they can take a couple of days. The thing about the car window, <laughs> I was pushing the season here in Virginia. It was getting to be autumn and the temperatures weren't very hot. And I wasn't getting um, the leaves to to change. So I uh, I put my setup in the back window of the car, parked it in the in the sunshine and rolled up all the windows to get the, the greenhouse effect. And, and that worked. <laughs> I'm just starting thinking up here in Minnesota in February. This is probably not a process that I should start. The tell me what you think that the power of this is because it is a really emotionally evocative experience to come across one of these leaves with the chlorophyll prints uh, embedded in them. Uh, what do you what are you after aesthetically with this? Well, at first I just you know thought it was so cool that I could get pictures and leaves that I'd do anything. But eventually I thought, well, what is the meaning of this medium, um, the leaf? And I think we, we have, uh, leaves have resonance for us. I mean, there's a kind of archetypal, um, uncanny quality to a leaf, uh, it's no accident that Whitman talked about leaves of grass. It, it's, it was the trope at the center of his, his whole enterprise. You know, death goes into the ground and life rises in new growth. Um, people are leaf-like. We, we bud, unfold, um, change, decline, and fall. Uh, people are also numerous, similar but individual, I think we feel all these things almost in a sort of Jungian archetypal way when we um, look at an image, and particularly a portrait, I think, because 
the the leaf brings the mortality to the portrait. And of course, you know, photo theory is talked all about the portrait in in photography. Uh, you know, it's always got this elegiac note to it. Um, we see the portrait and we say, oh, there he is. And then, oh my God, he's gone. Um, it's a presence, but it's a reminder of the passing of a presence also. I think that's all involved and intensified in in uh, a portrait in a leaf. It, it is, I mean, looking at, at- Civil War photographs is, is sort of a um, tragic and ethereal experience already. Um, the, these black and white, mostly posed uh, portraits, to come across it in the leaves uh, was really um, surprising in the very best way for me because of the things that you've just mentioned. But that whole organic um, connection that this is a life um, and, you know, and here it is once again. Uh, in the leaf, is there is there a particular print from your Civil War uh, Walt Whitman work that is a success story, or one that just really you know took you a hundred times to get right? Well, the leaf print process, the chlorophyll print process, is a percentages game to begin with. It's it's difficult to, I mean, you can be as vigilant as you want, but it's difficult to take the leaf out of the sun at just the right moment. You can't really see under the darkness of the transparency to judge. You have to look at the more halftone areas and make a guess. And also, it's just a a fickle process. And, you know, you, you can get very experienced. And if you get one out of 10, that's something of a keeper. Uh, you're doing really well. After that, of course, you know, there's there's the matter of framing and shape and composition uh, where the the framing device is, the leaf itself. But um, lately, um, I've had a good response um, from exhibitors and curators and so forth to this new series that I'm calling the Being Seen series, in which I've taken leaf prints uncast and then I've scanned them, and get a digital image, and then enlarge them and crop them very tightly on just the eyes, nose, and mouth. And I did this because working with the original ambrotypes and tintypes from the Library of Congress to adjust the contrast and to take out scratches or or things in the in the original working on my computer screen with these faces blown up they you know sometimes for minutes and minutes and maybe even hours staring into this face they became my familiars and their gaze back out of my monitor was so intense especially when I sort of had to zoom in to fix an area I felt I wanted to get that effect. And and that's, I think, finally what I did get in this Being Seen series where you're just seeing a a fragment of the leaf cropped very, very tightly. And one thing that's especially um, poignant, I think, is when I use a nasturtium leaf and there's that little stem point of attachment in the middle of the leaf that radiates 
veins so that it looks almost like a bullet hole through glass or some other kind of wound that um, has lines radiating out from it. These are sort of serendipitous discoveries um, that accumulate over time and and make this process really fascinating. And, and I should say that image, if, if, if it's the one I'm thinking of, is on your website. And I want to make sure that people who are listening, um, if they want to go look at the website even right now, it's robertschultz.com, R-O-B-E-R-T-S-C-H-U-L-T-Z.com. Um, and the Being Seen collection, as well as War Memoranda and everything else, uh, is there. You you mentioned something about uh, scanning this stuff, which is a good segue into the next thing I'd like to chat about. You have become uh, an expert and, and fairly well known on scanography, of using a scanner instead of a camera uh, as an image maker. How in the world did that come about? And what are you, what are you after with that? Well, I'll tell you, the master of, of this, or at least my, um, my hero of scanography is the wonderful John Grant, who lives in Charlottesville, Virginia. And uh, we were in an exhibition together in Charlottesville. Uh, ben and I had an exhibition with Deborah McLeod's Chroma Projects in Charlottesville, and at the same time, John Grant was showing some of his scans. And I got to know his work, and he was doing flowers and botanical specimens just gorgeously. And I, I was so intrigued, I wanted to try that. And so I have to acknowledge John Grant, and I, I think people who are interested in this should check out um, his website and his beautiful work. But for me, uh, lately, it's become a COVID-19 stay-at-home project Mm -hmm. so that I've been doing a kind of COVID stay-at-home journal of notes, reflections, news items, paired with uh, scans of what happens to be blossoming out in the in the yard that particular day so i've been accumulating this series and um i don't know if i'm going to be able to stop (laughs) it just keeps going well again this is not simply putting your hand or your nose on a photocopier and hitting run um this this is a really unique form of image making that again i was uh, pleasantly surprised and and a bit unprepared for when i first came across it tell me tell me about the technical aspect here because with us i mean a scanner has a really exact but very limited depth of field um you have one light source you have a, a, the question of backgrounds. Uh, how do you get these wonderfully evocative scans um, that, that seem to hover when you're dealing with a flat piece of glass and a machine that's not really made for this? Yeah. Well, um, it does have a very narrow depth of field, which is an asset. Um, I think working with the very slight three-dimensional properties of a plant specimen, a flower, some leaves, a tangle of vines. And it 
it becomes especially pronounced when I do it with the lid off in a darkened room so that I just get a completely deep black background. And then afterwards on Photoshop or on another program, if I even deepen the black, you start to see the subtle gradations in depth of field. So it's become a fascinating effect to me. And uh, I love to see something new in the garden and bring it in and see what I can do with it. And of course, there is the whole matter of composition and arrangement. And um, I like to not think about that too much. I just bring in the material from the garden. And, you know, I've got a 17 by 12 flatbed Epson um, 12,000, which is a wonderful machine, I think. And I like to keep my head out of it, just, just let my hand and the specimen put it down. And I can do, you know, preliminary scans and because you can't see what you're going to get because the photograph is taken from beneath. And so there's a chance to push things around or, you know, unfold a, a petal or, or fold a leaf or something like that. And, uh, and yet there is a certain, you know, happenstance and a Zen and you're, you're collaborating with the structure of the organic material and the, um, the uniqueness of the scanning process and lights out in a darkened room. Do you have the, I mean, you can't change the light in the scanner itself, can you? Well, I think with this scanner, that may be a possibility. I'm not sure about that, but I haven't looked into it. it, There seems to be enough to play with without adjusting anything on the machine. Okay. And then you can always adjust highlights and and brightness and all that stuff uh, in post-production. Yeah. Um, Although I do have an ethic. I I don't want to mess around with the color. Um, I mean, sometimes it intensifies a little bit as you work with contrasts and so forth, but you know, Photoshop will let you do anything, but I, I don't want to go very far. Why do you, why do you think this has a particular, um, effect for people that view the images? I was looking at uh, what I believe is just a set of dandelion seeds the other day, uh, on your website. And I thought, you know, I've seen these my entire life, but I've never seen them this way. And I was completely intrigued and fascinated. Well, that's a case where um, I was bringing in milkweed pods that had split open um, and and scanned them at various stages. And I think that's where the, the darkened room really helps. And then the the very narrow but very precise depth of field on the scanner, because you've got all those little, little um, tendrils on the milkweed seeds and they're sort of piled up on the scanning bed. And so they get very discriminated and at various minute depths of field so that there is the illusion, I think of a three dimensional depth and a receding into this deep, dark black that you can achieve. Have you tried, um, exterior lights or different backgrounds? 
Well, I know John Grant has done that, and um, I may, but right now the black background suits me because I'm doing this COVID process. Uh, I'm calling it Specimens of the Plague Spring, and I like the juxtaposition of the ravishing beauty of these specimens against this deep black background and all the associations of blackness, the black death and all the rest of it. So I'm just using that blackness right now for all it's worth. And, and using it very well. It, it is a remarkable series of images. Um, one other thing you're doing that I find fascinating because, uh, I wish I had the courage to do it myself. You are making these beautiful one-copy art books. Um, Tell me about these projects. Yes, uh, the artist's book. um, Actually, uh, Ben Don told me to do that. He said, "Uh, Bob, you're an artist now, but you're also a writer. You can make these books. And uh, serendipitously, my daughter that Christmas gave me the beginnings of a toolkit and a book on bookmaking. So I took this as a sign. And, um, and since then I've just found it to be a wonderful relief. I mean, for a writer who sits at the desk and stares at a screen a lot to work with these beautiful materials, these wonderful papers, the Japanese book cloth, uh, the book board, the threads, the binding materials, the pastes, and working with tools uh, was a great refreshment uh, to me. And I've found that letterpress printing is a is is a pleasure. I joined the um, the Virginia Book Arts Center up in Charlottesville and took a course from the wonderful Garrett Queen and learned to use their Vandercook letterpress. And with some help, uh, set up uh, fragments from various Whitman poems, printed them in letterpress type on big sheets of art quality paper, and then pasted in some of my original chlorophyll prints of... Whitman portraits, um, the Brooklyn Ferry in the 19th century, uh, some of the Lillian Quist Civil War portraits in Leaves, and and made my first artist's book, which was called Face to Face. And this one I actually made in an edition of three. Uh, but of course, each one of them, because every leaf is itself a unique leaf, each one is is different from the other. So that was my first project. And then since then, I've done others that so far have have just been one-offs. T- tell me, if you could, about the project called When Lilacs. I'm looking at that on the website right now. When Lilacs. Hmm. I haven't made a book of that. You'll have to tell me more about that, Scott. I'm not... It, no, okay, it's a, it's a box. Um, a wooden box wrapped in book cloth oh, yes. and marbled paper. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on this uh, advisory group to the 
Carilion hospitals and clinics here, and they have uh, a wonderful group that does art in the hospitals. It's called the Keeley Healing Arts Group, and and uh, they do a, a benefit every year at Hotel Roanoke, and they invite artists to produce things for auction. And one year they handed out these little boxes and said, make something. And I was making chlorophyll prints and the top had this wonderful indentation, just about the right size to drop a, a, a small chlorophyll print cast in resin into it. And then, and then of course I uh, could put another one inside. So I put a Lincoln in a, in a leaf in the box and a Whitman in a leaf on the box top and covered the, the wood with papers and cloths. And then I wrote out portions of When Lilacs Last in the Dooryard Bloomed, Whitman's wonderful elegy to, to the assassinated Lincoln, and wrote out some passages um, on a band of paper uh, that, that encircles the box. So that was that was uh, another one-off, um, just a serendipitous invitation to make something out of a box for this Carilion Clinic pro- um, benefit. Well, Robert, I find your work to be absolutely thrilling, frankly. Um, when I come to it, uh, I'm always asked to reconsider what I thought previously about how to present an image. Um, as I said before, I think so often we're focused on what happens before the, the press of the shutter release, and you have done some profound work on how to present the image, uh, either in new uh, formats with the leaves or uh, with these books, um, and, to, and to use a scanner. A little bit later this afternoon, I, I'm probably going to have several failures because I've got a little scanner here at home. I'm going to give this a shot. Um, tell me what's coming up next for you. Oh, Scott, you're very generous. Thanks for those kind remarks. Um, we keep gardening here. Uh, we we have about an acre, and we moved here after I retired. And these gardens were wonderful at, at one point, and there are some wonderful specimens in it, but they were long neglected and overgrown, and we're bringing them back. So the day starts with... Um, three or four hours in the garden. And that usually leads me back to the scanner with a specimen. And uh, then I do a little bit of writing. So I'm, I'm still in the middle of this um, specimens of the plague spring project. And I have made one artist's book out of a certain number of the entries. And I think this could be a photo book for uh, more than a, uh, a one-off artist's book. I think of these books as just an artwork, you know, a unique artwork, and I don't necessarily have ambitions to edition them. But this, it's, this project, Specimens of the Plague Spring, seems to me that I would like to get it out to more readers, more viewers. And um, so I'm trying to think about how to query uh, photo book publishers and who I might send it to. I still feel like a babe in the woods in this whole art business and photography business. So um, I, I learn something every day. Well, it's as do I looking at your work. 
Thank you, sir. Thank you for your time. Good luck with all of this. Um, it is work that I think is important for all of us to be aware of and, and appreciate. Thank you very much. Thank you, Scott. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I can imagine you would like to hear more about what we are currently working on. Later this year, we will be launching a quarterly printed photography magazine. It will be a beautifully designed, inspiring publication. I personally truly believe that excellent photography belongs on paper, hence the idea of frames. To find out more about frames and to join more than 14,000 photography enthusiasts who enjoy our weekly newsletter, go ahead and visit frames.photography. I would love to have you in our community. Thanks so much.